Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 41, recorded on November 20th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Okay, well, we'll start with the market update. Stocks finished with modest gains Friday, but the main U.S. indexes still ended with weekly losses as doubts rose about the staying power of the recent rally sparked by signs of easing U.S. inflation. Stocks turned lower earlier in the week after St. Louis Federal Reserve President James Bullard said the central bank's appropriate target for the federal funds rate could end up as high as 7% well above the current 375 to 4% range. The Boston Fed's Susan Collins followed up on Friday that she was not ruling out a 75 basis point hike in December. For the week, the Dow Jones average ended flat, while the S&P 500 dropped 0.7%, and the NASDAQ composite slid 1.6%. Looking ahead, investors face a holiday-shortened week next week that could see lighter trading volume. The highlight of the economic calendar looks to be the release of the minutes of the last FOMC meeting. While that meeting took place before the release of the October CPI report, the market could see a jolt when hawkish tone of members is seen in black and white. Earnings will still trickle in with the Best Buy, Dollar Tree, and Dick's sporting goods from the consumer sector some of the headliners. Watch for some cautious guidance updates with plenty of macro uncertainty in the air. On Wall Street, City U.S. equity strategist Scott Cronert has already warned of a consumer-led recession in 2023, which could be amplified even more if the retail heavyweights continue to reel in expectations. On the global stage, the World Cup could have impact on certain sectors, and select stocks as the soccer tournament plays out. Okay, moving into Bitcoin news this week. Uh, As usual, I've selected a few articles I thought were relevant to the topic, and uh, we'll dive right in. The first one here is from Crypto News. Um, This was posted on November 18th. And again, I'll always include links to these articles in the show notes if you want to read it for yourself. Uh, This one here, and always a favorite, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki calls FTX founder Bernie Madoff of crypto, says Bitcoin is not the problem. Robert Kiyosaki, the best-selling author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, has called FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried the Bernie Madoff of crypto in a recent tweet to his 2.2 million followers in response to the recent collapse of FTX exchange. In a recent tweet, Kiyosaki opined on the collapsed crypto exchange FTX and mentioned Bankman Fried's donations to political parties in the U.S. He also turned his focus to television personalities Kevin O'Leary and Jim Cramer, a comparison of the former FTX CEO to Warren Buffett, a well-renowned American businessman, investor, and crypto critic. Instead, Kiyosaki called SBF the Bernie Madoff of crypto. Bernie Madoff was an infamous American financier who executed the largest Ponzi scheme in history, 
over a period of around 17 years. Madoff defrauded thousands of investors out of some $65 billion. He was also chair of the NASDAQ Stock Exchange in the early 90s. Madoff died in prison while serving a 150-year sentence for money laundering, securities fraud, and other felonies. And Kiyosaki wasn't the only one to note similarities between these two. Sheila Baer, a top regulator during the 2008 financial crisis who chaired the U.S. FDIC, from 2006 to 2011 told CNN that there are eerie similarities between SBF and his FTX on the one hand and Madoff and his Ponzi on the other. Bear argued that terming regulators and investors can distract them from digging in and seeing what's really going on. It felt very Bernie Madoff-like in that way. Kiyosaki also mentioned that Bitcoin was not the issue and instead said that the corrupt politicians are the biggest problem. Notably, SPF was involved in the country's politics. He donated to both parties in the USA, and he was a top campaign contributor to Democrats in the 2022 election cycle. As reported on November 11th, Bankman Freed resigned and the exchange filed for bankruptcy. Furthermore, FTX is now under investigation by, among others, the U.S. Justice Department, Securities Exchange Commission, and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Meanwhile, just a week ago, Kiyosaki stated that he would view a major drop in Bitcoin's price as an opportunity, not something to be concerned about. And he got what he wished for. <laughs> uh, let's see, it says, on Friday morning, Bitcoin was trading at 16752 up 1.3% in a day and down nearly 5% in a week. Overall, it's down 13% in a month and 72% in a year. Okay, moving on to the next piece here. This is Coindesk. Uh, this was posted on November 18th. Bitcoin financial services firm Unchained Capital cutting staff reshuffling management. I thought it would be good uh, to talk about them since I do uh, collaborative custody with Unchained. Um, meaning that I, uh, I have multi-signature um, accounts uh, where I hold my Bitcoin. Uh, but the nice thing about it is um, it's two out of three keys. And so if they were to go bankrupt, I can basically recover my wallet and move my coins, you know, uh, anywhere I want uh, without their help. So uh, that's the one good thing about uh, about collaborative custody is that you you control your own keys and you can move the coins uh, without help uh, but the point of having the collaborative custodian there is if something were to happen to one of your keys uh, whether uh, compromised in some way you can um, you can uh, get help from the uh, your collaborative custodian uh, as uh, to help move the coins so uh, and again, it doesn't look like they're going out of business or anything. They're just obviously been hit by uh, the downturn in the uh, uh, that's hitting the entire industry, and so they had to make some uh, some moves. So uh, anyway, so here it is: uh, Unchained Capital reduced its workforce by about fifteen percent and moved its head of business development, Parker Lewis, to the board of directors, as well as Chief Product Officer Will Cole to the senior advisory role. 
In a blog post discussing the job cuts, co-founder and CEO Joe Kelly said on Friday that while Unchained has never had exposure to FTX, Alameda, or any other institutions which have lost client funds, funding for Bitcoin-backed loans has been materially constrained by recent market events. And that's one of the products that they provide is Bitcoin loans, in addition to Bitcoin trading and uh, the collaborative custody. And they also do IRAs, too. He noted that his company is seeing record numbers in new clients, Bitcoin deposits and trading volumes, and the loan book currently has a 214% collateral to principal ratio. We have admittedly made mistakes along the way, wrote Parker Lewis in a separate blog post discussing the moves. Despite having weathered every storm without incurring a loan loss, we expanded the team quicker than we otherwise would have had we better accounted for the current market environment. Uh, so again, it doesn't look like anything significant uh, other than uh, a normal sort of uh, restructuring in response to a downturn, but uh, something worth keeping an eye on. But again, not too worried because I have the ability to move my coins um, even if they uh, disappear. And the best part about it is they actually provide training to, you know, on how to do that. Um, they have uh, basically weekly uh, training classes to teach you how to use your collaborative custody and um, how to secure your, your keys and, and uh, um, also how to, how to recover your wallet uh, should you need to if, if for some reason they, they blew up. So I think that's, they truly represent the ethos of the Bitcoin uh, uh, community. And so, uh, you know, I hope they, uh, they come through this moving on. Uh, next one here is from coin telegraph. This was posted today. There's been a lot of chatter about this on Twitter. So I thought it'd be good, uh, to touch on this. Uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. So G GBTC Bitcoin discount nears 50% on FTX woes as investors stock up. Uh, the largest Bitcoin institutional investment vehicle is coming under suspicion as it trades at a record discount. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, GBTC, is the latest Bitcoin industry entity to feel the heat from the debacle over the defunct exchange FTX. With contagion and fears over a deeper market route everywhere in Bitcoin and all coins at present, misgivings are impacting even the best known and trusted crypto industry names. In recent days, it was the turn of GBTC, the long embattled Bitcoin investment fund, amid problems at a related crypto firm, Genesis Trading. As Cointelegraph reported, parent company Digital Currency Group, DCG, as well as operator Grayscale itself, swiftly sought to reassure investors in the market that its flagship product was financially watertight. This does not appear enough to satisfy nerves, however, leading to additional public declarations of faith in DCG and GBTC. Among them was Coinbase Institutional, the institutional investment arm of major exchange Coinbase. Nothing is more important than ensuring our clients' assets are safe, it tweeted on November 17th. 
with 10 years of expertise building a secure and compliant custody solution, Coinbase Institutional is proud to provide segregated cold storage custody services with our qualified custodian. GBTC's image has been under strain for some time. Since 2021, it has traded at a discount to the Bitcoin spot price, a discount which is now approaching 50%. Amid a lack of demand, speculation has increased thanks to rumors that Grayscale may end up being bought should Genesis trading fail. This change of tack could have implications for GBTC as Grayscale notionally remains intent on converting it to an exchange-traded fund. Though this is a difficult moment for many in crypto, I'm deeply optimistic about the future of this industry, Grayscale's business, and the opportunity for investors, Grayscale CEO Michael Sonnenschein tweeted on November 19th. Consensus on the 10.5 billion GBTC potentially being forcibly sold remains weak. Genesis may go under, but I find the odds of GBTC trust being liquidated to be highly unlikely just given the cash cow that it has been. Lyle Pratt, creator of messaging platform Vita Global, reacted. More likely that someone like Fidelity buys it and keeps it operating. The steepening discount following the FTX saga has meanwhile made GBTC a somewhat ironic buy for names such as ARK Invest and Lawrence Lepard, investment manager at Equity Management Associates. Lots of questions and DMs. Lepard's view on Grayscale and GBTC spoiler alert, I own it. He began a dedicated Twitter thread by saying over the weekend, I've been buying more. It is still less than 5% of my Bitcoin holdings in case I'm wrong. Self-sovereign key ownership is a must and top priority. On the topic of how bad the contagion could be for DCG and its family of firms, Lepard nonetheless acknowledged that it is impossible to know how much distress they're in. He continued to analyze the fallout should the worst-case scenario bankruptcy ensue. So, uh, basically... The reason why Grayscale Bitcoin Trust trades at a discount is because it's what you call a closed-end fund. Uh, it's not an ETF. So an ETF would settle um, on a daily basis, and, and the um, value of the uh, assets in the fund um, would be essentially the same as the, the market value. And in the case of a closed-end fund, there's there's a disconnect, um, and uh, it's grown. And um, so technically, if you wanted to buy shares of Grayscale, you'd be getting a 50% discount on the market price of the Bitcoin. Um, the, the risk you run is, is and, you know, there's, there's, there's fees that, that Grayscale charges. I think it's 2%. So that should obviously, you know, account for some of the difference. But probably the, the discount just blew out because people are really concerned about what's going to happen to the fund. Um, and I think probably the biggest concern is, you know, are the coins really there? Uh, which at this point, you know, nobody really trusts anybody in the industry after what happened with FTX. And then I think Grayscale tweeted something over the weekend saying that they can't provide their uh, uh, proof of... Uh, reserves because of confidentiality or they can't i forget they made some excuse up uh, maybe they don't want to show 
people what their uh, wallets are, where their wallets are, or anything like you know something like that. So that didn't that didn't make people feel very good. But um, I think it's probably true that you know um, there's value in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust uh, as an investment asset. The, assuming the assets are are there they're in cold storage on coinbase or wherever their you know whoever their custodian is uh another investment manager could take that fund over and continue to operate it um and then at some point maybe you know in the future when and if it could be converted to an etf then that discount would go away so you know it's a highly speculative uh uh, play at this point, but you know, for people that are willing to take the risk, maybe not a bad idea uh, with a small amount of money. But clearly, the better way to hold your Bitcoin is in self custody yourself. Uh, next article here is from Reuters. Um, this was posted on November 17th, and this is more about the Genesis um, uh, loan. So crypto lender Genesis had sought an emergency loan of $1 billion. Cryptocurrency lender Genesis was seeking an emergency loan of $1 billion from investors before it suspended withdrawals on its website. The Wall Street Journal reported on Thursday, citing a confidential fundraising document. The document viewed by the journal cites a liquidity crunch due to certain illiquid assets on its balance sheet at Genesis. On Wednesday, Genesis Global Capital suspended customer redemptions in its lending business, citing the sudden failure of Sam Bankman-Fried's crypto exchange, FTX. Genesis has been exploring all possible options amidst the liquidity crunch resulting from the FTX news, the company said in an emailed statement to Reuters, adding that it took the decision to suspend redemptions after reviewing a number of options. The implosion of FTX has rippled across the industry, hobbling liquidity at firms with exposure to what was once, uh, once what once was one of the world's biggest crypto exchanges, and prompting investigations by regulators in several countries. Last week, FTX filed for U.S. bankruptcy protection, and its founder Sam Bankman-Fried resigned as chief executive after rival exchange Binance walked away from a proposed acquisition. This story continued into the weekend and, uh, you know, they've obviously been trying to raise money uh, and the uh, story is there's not a lot of interest in anything other than perhaps the uh, grayscale um, uh, asset. So um, it's interesting because I, um, I, (laughs) One of my uh, Bitcoin IRAs was with Digital Asset Group, and they had a a uh, yield product that uh, you know basically you send your Bitcoin over, and they pay you like two percent. And the Bitcoin I think was with Genesis. Um, so I think when the first exchanges went under, um, I immediately withdrew my funds from the uh, from the yield product, but but they still you know dcg still had my my coins right and so um, i closed that ira and rolled the uh, bitcoin over into an unchained capital ira which again is a a two of three multi-signature so i i could move those coins if i wanted to although if i did i'd probably have some taxes to pay 
Um, but I'm really glad I did that because uh, uh, yield is a bad idea for for Bitcoin and uh, uh, anything other than uh, self custody or collaborative custody of your Bitcoin is just unnecessary risk. So uh, I guess I should be happy that uh, my coins are safe because uh, they probably would be frozen at this point if I was still there. Uh, and then moving on, uh, another article here from Coindesk. Uh, this was posted on November 18th. Uh, this is another postscript on the FTX debacle. Pension giant Ontario Teachers plans to write off all $95 million invested in crypto exchange FTX. Ontario Teachers, one of Canada's largest pension funds, with nearly $250 billion in assets under management, will write down the entirety of its $95 million investment in FTX after the troubled crypto exchange filed for bankruptcy protection. The fund said it invested $75 million in FTX International and its U.S. entity FTX U.S. in October 2021, and then another $20 million in FTX U.S. in January of this year, according to a statement. The investments were made through Teachers Venture Growth Platform, and represented less than 0.05% of the fund's total net assets, the statement added. The financial loss from this investment will have limited impact on the plan given its size relative to our total net assets and our strong financial position, said Ontario teachers. However, we are disappointed with the outcome of this investment. Take all losses seriously and we'll use this experience to further strengthen our approach. Ontario teachers had $242.5 billion in assets under management as of June 30th, according to a recent investor presentation. This isn't the first time a large Canadian pension fund got caught up in the crypto-related contagion. This past August, Caisse de Depot A Placement du Québec, with more than $300 billion in AUM, wrote down its entire $150 million investment in failed crypto lender Celsius Network. Um, yeah, so it's maybe not a large percentage of their assets, but it's probably a large portion of their investment returns for the quarter. That's for sure. And then, uh, finishing up this week, uh, came across an interesting, um, op-ed piece here on Coindesk. Um, it's written on November 19th by Stephen Lubka. Uh, understanding the FTX fallout from the eyes of a Bitcoiner. The financialization, tokenization, and the chase of short-term profits seen across Sam Bankman-Fried's trading empire is peak Wall Street. And I have a feeling I'm going to agree with everything he says. Jumping right in, the cryptocurrency world is no stranger to high-profile blow-ups and cults of personality, and there have been several this year alone. But even by crypto standards, the FTX story is notable for the shocking revelations that have come to light. The rapid downfall of Sam Bankman-Fried is likely a watershed moment for the entire industry. Much will be written on FTX from a mainstream point of view, and much will be written from the point of view of cryptocurrency investors. You'll hear a lot about FTX from the various venture capitalists who populate the industry and other influencers who cover decentralized finance, Web3, and NFTs. 
inevitably the story that will be shared by crypto insiders will be FTX was terrible, but it just displays the problems with centralized companies and highlights the benefits of decentralized protocols. What if that misses the point? The culture, norms, and values of crypto have a central role in the rise and fall of FTX more than these voices are likely to admit. Just take it from the Bitcoin perspective. You probably think of Bitcoiners or Bitcoin maxis as an odd bunch. We look like strange fundamentalists who simply cannot wrap our minds around the innovation and possibilities inherent in digital assets other than Bitcoin. We won't make any compromises and pursue a very narrow vision for how to develop and continue to grow the Bitcoin protocol. Bitcoiners can seem like the Amish of crypto. Weird, right? This perception of Bitcoiners is cyclical. We are still coming off the heady highs of yet another crypto bull run, and many still believe crypto will bounce back. At the highest moments, the possibilities seemed endless. Money was falling out of the sky, and the blockchain was going to change the world. People abandoned the basic precepts of going beyond financial intermediaries. Why would you self-custody your coins when you can earn 10% lending through Celsius? Then came the blow-ups. Terra, Celsius, Three Arrows Capital, Voyager, and many others only saved by bailouts and equity infusions. The darling coins and their new ideas lost 90% of their value. The counterparty risk suddenly reared its ugly head. Maybe the position Bitcoiners take makes more sense to you now, maybe not. During bull runs, Bitcoiners look like stubborn fools who just can't understand the possibilities. However, during bear markets, their ideals, values, and approach start to make more sense to people who do a little investigation. The culture of Bitcoin at its heart is one of hard-won insights, lessons learned, money lost. In many ways, FTX validates the way Bitcoiners approach this industry. Let's explore how. At the absolute core of Bitcoin is a single principle. We must de-financialize. This is absolutely antithetical to the entire ethos of crypto, which gives anyone the ability to instantly financialize assets. For me, this is actually the most profound divide between Bitcoin and crypto. Bitcoin is trying to de-financialize an overly leveraged financialized world. Crypto is trying to further financialize everything. Crypto wants art, music, games, login credentials, and anything else they can get their hands on to become financialized. Bitcoiners think leverage, subsidization of risk, and turning everything into a speculative asset is actually massively net negative for civilization. I'll paint you an example, houses. The real estate market is a perfect example of what financialization looks like. Houses have always been valuable, but they haven't always been financial assets in the way they are today. As soon as the government subsidized the risk for lenders in making home loans and the central banks made money cheap for mortgage lenders, the price of houses exploded, becoming unaffordable for many. Owning a home is an important aspect of societal cohesion. It's actually proof of stake for nations. Homeowners become stakeholders in the nation. They form families and they start to care about the long-term prospects of the nation. Financializing houses made them progressively unaffordable and undermined societal cohesion and financialization is everywhere in the contemporary economy. FTX couldn't have existed without a culture that values financialization for its own sake. 
It became a popular exchange by offering traders insane leverage and the ability to collateralize almost any of their altcoin holdings, unlike many derivatives exchanges and all spot markets. FTX also listed more exotic derivatives products than other exchanges and spent a lot of time optimizing their liquidation engine. Yes, this made liquidations kinder, but it also represented a push into more leverage. Leverage is a weird thing. The optimal amount of leverage is always zero leverage, according to economists Ole Peters and Alexander Adamow. When people identify a market with low volatility and decide to take on leverage to juice returns, they end up inducing volatility into that market via the leverage itself. That means leverage can never work long term. Yes, I know you know someone who made a fortune with a risky leverage bet over the few weeks, but structurally, over the long term, leverage can never yield structural outperformance of markets as the presence of leverage itself leads to blowups that liquidate the leveraged. This increased volatility results in liquidations for levered players and shows the optimal leverage is always zero. FTX was an endorsement of leverage and financialization. Bankman-Fried said recently that he let it get out of hand, thinking his hedge fund could make a bigger impact if it made bigger bets. <clears throat> leverage was bad for users, bad for hedge funds, and bad for FTX itself. Bitcoiners often push for full reserve spot markets and advise new users to stay away from leverage and reduce their counterparty risk. FTX was built on the opposite principles. The crypto community often picks its champions based on one criteria, whether they make money. FTX is what happens when we divorce wealth and success from morality and ethics. It's extremely likely that SBF at some point misappropriated customer deposits to perform effective altruism. In this sense, Bankman-Fried serves as the paragon of an industry, someone who is fine with harming others if it furthers his definition of the good. There's a long line of influential people in crypto that came before him that essentially operated on the same principle. Even if they didn't directly steal or grift, Bankman-Fried is the culmination of contemporary crypto culture, a phenomenon enabled by VCs, media, and users alike. Bankman-Fried is the output you get when your input is the contemporary values of the crypto community. Now, that's not to say Bitcoiners are allergic to wealth or success. The difference is that wealth is good when it is generated ethically and morally. Wealth is good when it comes from providing value to the world or building something that matters. Ethics, morals, here go the Bitcoiners, moralizing again. I get it. Hearing about how there's a morality gap between Bitcoin and crypto sounds like fundamentalism, but it only comes from understanding the incentives and values which are behind the past 50 years of economic change and thinning. A paradigm that saw the rise of financial service providers over industry, financialization over value creation, and capital depletion over capital creation. In other words, postmodern finance. <clears throat> Glorifying financialization, amoral wealth creation, and unrestricted issuance of financial instruments have created a system of incentives that enabled fraud, manipulation, and deceit to happen repeatedly. Maybe you know a crypto trader who is acting in good faith, really believes in their project, and hasn't taken advantage of their tokens issuance mechanisms in any way. Wonderful. These people certainly exist. However, empowering anyone, including anonymous founders, to issue financial instruments in a completely unrestricted manner while funding them with an endless stream of cheap VC cash has created an unsustainable system. Worse, 
opaque claims about innovation and utopian visions of the future without hierarchies enticed retail investors and created a situation with comically bad incentives. Is anyone actually surprised Sam Bankman-Fried got his start during the ICO boom? Further, the ability of a centralized team to control the issuance of a token is highly contentious. You can say tokens are a way to decentralize ownership and influence in a project, but if you look at what happens in practice, instead of in theory, you will find massively concentrated ownership amongst insiders. Tokens are issued as though they were equity and serve the exact same role for founders. That's because founders are selling tokens to fund their joint ventures. Why are securities regulated in traditional financial markets? Because over hundreds of years, we've observed time and time again that allowing people unrestricted access to the sale of financial instruments, which were minted from thin air, resulted in continuous abuses of power. Does that mean securities laws are perfect? Does it mean the SEC is infallible? Of course not, but it does show us that being able to issue tokens from thin air is the is the heart of so many disastrous crypto outcomes. Regardless of what they actually are, people buy tokens believing they're a type of equity. They think they represent ownership in the protocol. Did FTT represent uh, Ownership in FTX? Absolutely not. But people treated it like it did, despite being a worthless integer in a spreadsheet that FTX controlled unilaterally. FTX would not have happened if FTX couldn't print FTT from thin air. FTX didn't control the exchange and the prop firm, Alameda. FTX didn't wash trade FTT to inflate its paper valuation. Borrowers didn't accept tokens printed from thin air as collateral. The entire scheme relied on FTX being able to borrow against FTT. Why? Because if they had to sell FTT, the market would have gone illiquid as there were few natural buyers. FTX used the same playbook to inflate its assets using Serum, Maps, and Oxy. It discovered it could seize control of decentralized protocols, acquire a huge percentage of the supply, and artificially pump the value into an illiquid market. DeFi, decentralized finance, provided absolutely no protection against this. Despite creating non-custodial and verifiable protocols, DeFi has also created the cultural precedent where centralized teams of developers behind the scenes control of keys and almost always the coins. Bankman-Fried likely saw he could game this and did like in the strange sushi storyline. <clears throat> Ironically, the crypto world loves to champion decentralization. They say we need decentralized protocols, decentralized exchanges, decentralized everything, but crypto loves centralized issuance of tokens. Why is no one fighting for purely decentralized issuance of these tokens? Proof of work mining was designed as a fair issuance system where there are no privileged insiders and everyone competes for tokens by doing costly work. This isn't sufficient if insiders can start mining before others, but as long as there is a fair launch, mining is the most decentralized way to bring a token to market. If you remove the ability for companies and teams to issue tokens, you suck the air out of so many of these abuses. There's more to the story, but these three core tenets are at the heart of the FTX saga, financialization, separating wealth from ethics, and centralized issuance of tokens. There is a rot at the core of the cryptocurrency universe, and it is fueled by allowing these trends to propagate and fostering a culture of predation. <clears throat> Ideologically, crypto was supposed to be a break from the traditional financial system, yet it has largely only succeeded in recreating some of the worst aspects of modern finance, only with fewer guardrails. 
Crypto is peak Wall Street, an acceleration of financialization, amoral business, and the cult of personalities. Bitcoiners fight for definancialization, moral accrual of wealth, and protocols built without centralized token issuance. This is one reason Bitcoin matters. It offers us a pathway to a new system, or perhaps a return to an older system. Things weren't always like this. The FTX story will be spun as something which is fixable by DeFi. You will hear this. I don't think it's true. DeFi protocols themselves, separated from tokens, etc., may do some things well, like enabling non-custodial financial services through programs that stick to a predetermined set of rules and are independently verifiable. But there's a difference between theory and practice. DeFi didn't stop FTX from capturing the decentralized exchange serum or other protocols. Perhaps DeFiers will say, well, that's not real DeFi. Yes, and the Soviet Union wasn't real communism. It was just what happens every time we try it. So again, uh, not too much I could disagree with here. I think he's right on point. And uh, certainly the comment about real estate, which I think I talked about um, in a recent blog post, or maybe it was in my podcast recently about the concern I have with, you know, with real estate and uh, the financialization of real estate blowing up the values uh, way beyond what the utility value of the actual asset is, uh, what the natural price should be if it wasn't a substitute for money, which it's sort of become and just like the stock market did and the bond market and you know really every other investment except for uh, well gold, I guess gold's gone up too, but not not recently. But anyway, um, so I do agree with that. And I think, uh, you know, the, the financialization, the glorification of wealth uh, are huge problems. And, and that's why um, a lot of Bitcoiners try to delineate between Bitcoin and crypto. Bitcoin has these set of values. Crypto has these set of values. Bitcoin operates truly decentralized um, and, and crypto really doesn't. Even though they say it does, it really doesn't. Um, so that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. Uh, this week I did a monthly portfolio review. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it here but uh, check it out if you're interested and you can follow me on twitter my handle is at nick reichert i will talk to you all next week happy thanksgiving bye bye